What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Stakes Society podcast. I'm Jones. And I'm Candace. And we're a real podcast having real conversations with real people. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on iTunes under the Stakes is High podcast. Get social with us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also using the Stakes is High podcast hashtag. Check us out. And And welcome welcome to our our podcast. podcast. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Stakes is High. I am Jones. C is not here this week due to scheduling conflict, but she will be back next week. So we miss you, C, or I miss you, I should say. Uh, this, last week, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. We had uh, good listens from last week. Uh, Leah, thank you for uh, being our guest, um, the child advocate. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, please go and listen. Uh, good episode, you know, just talking about, you know, we were talking about kids. I, I think it's um, very important, you know, to to have that conversation. So hopefully you guys can tune into that episode. Also to the other episodes, like we said in the beginning, uh, all uh, social media, you can check us out. So also I have uh, t-shirts available. So if you're interested in that, go to to our uh, social media. uh, Let me know. I have them on our Facebook. I have them on Instagram. So I have some sizes left. Check us out there. You can support us by purchasing a T-shirt and, you know, you know, you can rock it out with us. So this week, you know, I, I, I kind of I guess I want to continue a conversation that we were having a couple episode episodes ago. I think it was episode 50. Uh, King K, shout out to him from the Drunken Nights. Check out their podcast. But uh, if you haven't heard the episode with King K, you know, it was a very emotional. It was a deep episode. Uh, you know, and we talked about physical and mental abuse that he experienced, you know, from he didn't experience the mental abuse and physical abuse. His mother did. I guess he did in some in some aspect. He did experience some of it. But anyway, uh, with that episode, I wanted to kind of continue it because, you know, I shared some of the incidents that I had growing up as far as witnessing some of that. And. The question is, and I think we talked about it on the episode, we said, you know, I wonder why my mom didn't leave or he wondered why his mother didn't leave. So, you know, I wanted I kind of wanted to explore that. So shout out to Kelly K-Dot. Uh, I was talking to her and she said she had someone who would be willing to share her experience and, you know, talk about, you know, some of the experience that she had, um, you know, with the physical abuse and mental abuse. So um, no further ado, I do want to get into introducing my next guest. Uh, She agreed. I think she's brave. This is actually dope that she's allowing me to use my platform to, you know, for her to share her story. So I want to introduce everyone, all my listeners to Ryan. What's up? Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. I'm looking forward to seeing where this conversation goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. Shout out to C. C is my co-host. I told you she was going to be here, but uh, I'm sure she's going to hate that she wasn't here (laughs) for this one. So, C, I miss you. Miss you again. (laughs) But anyway, um, uh, how was your drive over here? You already told me it was far. Yeah, it was far. It was far. A lot of rain, but it's okay. It was worth it. All right, all right. So everybody, we I'm, I'm still on site, you know, so you may hear some background noise. So, you know, I'm good. You guys are used to this. So uh, you hear some dinging and some voices. I think you said somebody was around the corner playing spades. <laughs> playing spades, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> we jump in that game after this. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so welcome again. Thank you. What did Kelly tell you? <laughs> oh, Kelly. So basically, Kelly said you were looking for someone who had um, kind of lived the other side of the coin when it comes to domestic violence. Yes, and, yes. Um, I've known Kelly since we were sophomores in high school. I'll yes. Okay, um, okay. And so Kelly's just kind of watched. She doesn't. I don't even think she knows the full story, but um, she okay. just kind of looked at where I've been, so to speak, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. recommended me. So. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, before we go there, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, okay. So I am, I will be 31 on Saturday. So oh, man. very grateful. I'm, Happy uh, birthday. Thank birthday. you. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> single mom. Mm-hmm. I have 
full-time. Uh, I work for a media company, so I really like what I do, but I'm also full-time law, well, part-time law student. Nah, um, so my schedule is crazy busy. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We were sharing stories about our little mans. She said she, well, I thought, I saw on her Facebook that she had Marvel, some Marvel characters. I thought they were his, but. I mean, we kind of share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, law school, how much long you got to go? Oh, just started. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. All right. Forever. You, yeah, you're just like. starting to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, congrats to that. Thank you. Congrats to that. So you are from Fort Wayne, then? No, I'm from Indianapolis. Oh, uh, okay. So okay. I, met, I met Kelly at a Ball State summer camp on a fluke. Like, okay. That's how we met. Okay. We okay. just have our circles have just been connected. Ever oh, that's since. what's up. That's yeah. what's up. Okay, okay. So, um, how was your childhood? Was it, you know, my what? childhood? So, have you ever? Everybody knows the the Huxtables, right? Like, right. My parents, I come from a two-parent household. My parents are ministers. Um, oh, man. okay. Right. I don't, my parents are PK. like... PK. I am PK. <laughs> double, um, double PK. But I'm there. Yeah, both my parents. Um, my parents are... You know the episode on the on the Cosby Show where uh, I think Theo decides he wants um, his own apartment, and they do this whole big scene, right? They act out everything where he has to get a job, and everybody takes on different characters. That's how my parents raised us. Like, okay, it was like a living Cosby Show <laughs> episode. <laughs> okay, okay. So um, just regular, just I mean. Man, yeah, I went to private school. Um, okay. My my mom was very uh, big on our education, and she pushed that. Both my parents um, attended college but did not graduate. So my sister and I are first-generation college uh, okay. grads. Okay. Um, mm. And so, you know, I was homeschooled for a while, mm. um, had some learning differences. And so it's really funny because kind of coming out of the gate, I was labeled as um, – having a learning disability and so my parents really just kind of took their time with us and they just refused to let us you know live with labels and so you know I think if it wasn't for that period in my life I probably wouldn't be where I am right now so that's dope yeah good good thing you had them yeah because someone else could have just said hey you know let that label go yeah so um College, where'd you go to college? So I went to the DePaul University. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of my experience at DePaul. Probably a little bit different than most people. I was very uh, quiet. Okay. Anybody who knows me from DePaul will tell you that I was like Mother Teresa. I did not party. <laughs> was just oh, always man. campus minister. Like everybody knew if you needed something, all you can get from me is prayer and a band aid. Like, oh, yeah. So that was me. And it so was did you cool. think you were going into that? Did you want to become a minister? Um, um, it is who I am. I can't get away okay. from that. <laughs> you know how you just, that's just yeah, a part yeah. of your for life. Sure, you sure. don't have to have a title, too. Um, I love my time at DePaul. I love my experience. Uh, I was an English major. Okay. And uh, I spent a lot of time um, unofficially counseling a lot of people. Um, okay. we, it was just a really good, we had a good group of people, man. That's what's up. Um, okay. I loved it. So. Okay. You should have came to Ball State. You, oh, yeah, you should have been go. at Ball State. I know plenty of Ball State <laughs> folks. I feel like I live it right now. All right, cool. <laughs> so let's get into your dating. Yeah. Um, how was your dating experience? You know, before, you, you know, just did you date a lot or? You know, I didn't. I had um, a series of like relationships I didn't know how to date I don't think I learned to date until after Mm -hmm. I got divorced um so um I was in a relationship with someone all through pretty much for four and a half years Mm. um we dated pretty much all of high school in the first two a year and a half of college yeah it was pretty serious you could tell me I was not gonna marry him (laughs) um (laughs) you know and he's a great guy it just wasn't something that was supposed to be so okay um I, I really feel like that has an impact on my story later okay okay yeah so you I mean obviously you got married early I did okay so was this after the the guy the gentleman you're just talking so was yeah. he next the guy you got married to mm-hmm. okay so prior prior to the guy that I I dated for um, a long time I dated one other person and then I, I met my ex-husband uh, okay. when I was at DePaul Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
So how'd you meet this guy? So uh, I think it was my senior year, or junior year. Um, I was at a, um, I was president of DePaul Christian Fellowship, and we were having this huge uh, gospel <laughs> gospel concert. Okay. And he was a guest of someone, um, a guest minister, he was a worship oh, okay. leader. Oh, and um, I didn't like him as soon as I met him. I was just like, mm, I don't know, whatever. And uh, he had asked a friend of mine if he could have my contact information. Mm-hmm. And I, I think my response was no okay and somehow got it anyway and we started talking and you know that's how i met him and we had a very quick uh romance so it was very flames and then next thing you know it was we were looking at walking down the aisle so do you think it was you think that motivation was because of like uh your your religious background was it almost kind of a situation where you both were you know hey man we you know, we both are ministers and we both are heavy into our religion. Mm. Let's make this work. <laughs> so here's the thing. <laughs> um, I said that I was like Mother Teresa, but more so like the Virgin Mary in uh, uh, undergrad. Okay. So okay. everybody knew it was a big thing on campus that Ryan was a virgin. Uh, like okay. in the Old Testament since like legit Okay. Thou shalt not. And so it was this big joke or whatever. Um, and then when I met my ex-husband, I don't think it was, a, it didn't have anything to do with that. It was just, we clicked very quickly. Okay, okay. Um, but it was almost um, volatile in the way that it happened. And what I mean by that, if you know anything about like the cycle of abuse, it's like everything is hard and fast. Mm. Um, and there's not often a balance. There's not often reason you run off of passion Mm. and i think that fueled why we moved so quickly Mm, Um, i think we were together six months before we got um engaged and we were engaged for like a year so we were together like a year and a half two years before we got married so man so mama and daddy did they say whoa 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 whoa." um you know it was (laughs) it was one of those things where um my everybody he was very charismatic Uh, um so so they liked him and he was and he was a part you know he was a minister uh yeah so i mean he looked the part okay and sounded the part i'm sure and it sounded the part very charming you know good looking guy he had you know seemingly had he had a very strong way with words Mm. Okay. Um, okay. And to be honest with you, my my, there was a moment where my father pulled my coattail, mm. and he said, "Rye, um, don't you think?" And he laid out some some things that he felt were red flags, mm. and my response was anything but um, open. And I think I took his advice, and I still deal with this today. Um, I took what he said, and I just kind of pushed it aside and was like, I'm in love. I was young, whatever. I was yeah, young yeah. and just feeling love. You or already whatever. made your decision. Exa- that time. Exactly. So, what was the red flags that your pops talked about? Man, um, <laughs> uh, he. So there was this situation where he could keep a job, mm. and um, that was a that was a problem. But it was a. Uh, it was one that wasn't openly known. So, like, every time I, I would turn around in the year and a half, like, you just quit your job? Like, who, mm. you don't quit a job right before okay. the holiday? Like, well, so his you know? was more so, like, <laughs> your pops was more so, sounds like he was more so, like, be careful because this dude's not stable in a sense of, you know, supporting mm, My father was, the red flags were not about abuse because none of us right, saw right. that okay, until. Okay. It was more so my dad was concerned about his fabric as a man Mm. and that was where me being naive I did not hear him and I and I wounded that relationship with my father my father supports me he loves us and he's always been there for me but that was a moment where you know as a parent sometimes you got to take a step back like I'm gonna let you learn okay okay yeah Yeah. and it was definitely that moment okay all right so you start noticing not keeping a job. and So, I mean, were you kind of making excuses for him? Man, listen. <laughs> you was in love. I was in love. Okay. I didn't pay attention to the fact that he didn't have uh, a job. Got it, <laughs> I got was it. just stars on my eyes. Okay. You know, lots of words being said with very little action. Um, I, I did not see any indication of the abuse except for once. Um, okay. Yeah, because I was going to get into that. Cause, uh, yeah. Because I wanted to... 
you know, start seeing how the progression, how it okay. started and where, you know, you know, did you see signs before, you know? Man, uh, so, so no, to okay. answer your question. Okay. Um, the signs. So no, well, let me ask you a question. Okay. So did the abuse start before or after marriage? After. Okay. Okay. It started after. So no arguments. You guys didn't argue. We you guys had one major blow up. And it was before marriage. Before marriage. Okay. And it was so far fetched that like it really kind of shook me to my core. Mm. Um, we were, I think we were driving in the car one day, and I said something. I was like, "You always say that," and I was laughing or joking. And he was like, "No, I don't." And um, I don't even know what we were arguing about, but I said, "You do. You say that all the time." And just like that, and he went from zero to ninety in no like no time mm. and we were driving i'll never forget this we were by if you're from indianapolis uh north central high school yeah. so we were in front of north central we made it to castleton square mall in like two minutes mm. yeah he flying yeah. yeah i was driving my car was <laughs> <laughs> flying just anger and rage and i had never seen that before and it scared me and i all i could do i just started sobbing because he just turned into this, this hulk on me and okay. i didn't have a legitimate reason as to why yeah um I'm gonna ask you this question, but it's, I want to keep going. But yeah. did you? So you met his parents. So I met his mom, and then I met his father once um, before. I've only I had only met his dad one time. Okay, so they weren't together. No. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. So I'm gonna kind of go back to that, but yeah. so okay, so you get married, and yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so here's the thing. So, like I said, everybody knew I was a virgin, right? It was a big deal. So right. when I got married, when I got married, um, that was really a huge uh, celebration, a celebratory, a celebratory point for us, right. um, because it is so rare to raise a girl in this culture, this day and age, and have yeah. her respect herself right. um, enough to not give a portion of her heart, soul, and body away. Right. And so for me, I was very proud of the fact that I could give something that I valued and I saw was valuable to the man I was supposed to spend my life with. Exactly. So we got married, and it was very... Um, you know, great. It was a beautiful wedding. People still talk about it. It was just because it was one of those things where um, the presence of God fell. I'm, I, I'm a worshiper. Like, I, I don't know how to be any other way but mm -hmm. myself. And so the the wedding ceremony itself turned into this massive like worship ceremony and like to give you an idea like people were on their knees and it didn't have anything to do with us it was just a really raw moment mm -hmm. intense um and so long story short we got married we went on our honeymoon and uh, within two months everything started to spiral mm. So, um, and it's not, um, my story is not one where he backed me into a wall and had me up, you know, choked, choking me and, and put his fist in my eye. So there's a funny dynamic, which my mother always brings up is the fact that I'm taller than him. Okay. And so anytime I tell people that I'm a domestic violence survivor and they know him and they know that I'm taller than him, <laughs> like, like, it's kind of like, what was <laughs> you doing? Yeah. Um, but it's different. I was very young. There's yeah. a, almost a 10 year age gap between us. Um, and so, um, like I said, that two months, so he's mark older, is, he's older okay, than I okay, am. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Um, and so, uh, a lot of the abuse started mentally, a lot of mind games. And so okay. within two months is where that started to, to show up. Okay. So give me some examples of like, you know, some of the mind games or the, you know, the mental abuse that he would share, that he would, you yeah. know, do to you. Um, so you, you have to understand something, um, there are levels to this concept of the abuser. There's, um, you have people who are very, they're charmers. I read a book once, um, it was called Charmers and Con Artists and Their Flip Side. Mm. Um, and so there's this element of um, a person who is an abuser where control is a huge factor. Mm. And one of the ways you gain control over somebody is by just the simple things that you say, right? Memory um, has a huge impact in holding a lot of people prisoners. I think if you go to the zoo, it always baffles me. When you go to the zoo and you go to the elephant enclosure, there's no fence there. 
Mm. There's no fence at the elephant enclosure. Okay. There's, a, there's a gap. There's a little bit of ledge you can see over, and then that's it. But if you notice on their ankles, there's a, there's a chain. There's a shackle. And they're not shackled to anything, but they have a memory of being right. staked down, right? Okay. So a lot of what happens is there are small things that begin to to transpire words that are said so i'll give you an example so i like to sing i'm not a great singer i'll carry a tune in the basket every once in a while but um i was in the kitchen one day and i was singing and i was just worshiping and he comes out of nowhere and he looks at me and he says you know when i was before i met you my prayer was that god would not send me a woman who could sing he said, because I never wanted a woman who could enter into this industry. I thought it would be too much. I would never want to share that with her because I don't want her to deal with that. So I'm so grateful to you, to God, that he answered my prayers. Mm. And the fact that you can't sing is is him answering my prayers. And that, okay, aside from that, just being like, are you serious, dude? I didn't sing the rest of the time we were married. So mm. it's things like that. You start. So I mean, was this like, I mean, that was small, but yeah, I mean, no, I'm not, I mean, I'm not minimizing it at all, mm-hmm. but my thing is like, like hearing you say that, like yeah. if someone said that to me, I'm almost thinking like it's a LOL, like, you know, ha ha ha. But he's saying that like, that was in all sincerity. Mm. It was in sincerity. And it was, like almost sounds like a, it almost sounds like a corny joke. You know what I mean? Like, yes. But he's saying it. Very serious face. Like very much. Remember I said he was charming. So you got to think like oily. Um, when I when I tell you some of these things, so he he said that to me, and me being I was very quiet, uh, very very much a pleaser okay. in my nature, and so that impacted me, and I just little things started to chip away at me. Okay, and that's kind of how this all started. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. There were other incidents that we had. Um, I think the biggest one kind of took me by surprise. Um, I, with the first two months, I mentioned, this is an adult podcast, so I'm going to be honest. I mentioned the fact that I was a virgin. um, And so it was very difficult for me. Sex was a concept that um, had been demonized my whole life, right? Like, we do that in the Christian church. Oh, absolutely. Thou I think we do. Not. I we think do we that do in general. culturally. Yeah, we do. And, and it was. I learned about sex from a fear standpoint rather than a reverence. Um, mm. Fear. I was afraid of the outcome. My okay. mother was a nurse, and so it was none for her to show us pictures yeah. and the STDs. <laughs> and this is what happens. And so, <laughs> I love you, mom, but that's true. Um, and so I feared it, and so I was very closed off. And so okay. there were times when we would be start to be intimate but it was difficult for me and it was painful um he was never kind to me so it was almost a time i mean really if you think in your adulthood and you marry a virgin it's almost like this has to be a super precious moment because she's never experienced it well that and you know you love somebody and sex is supposed to be something that is it's i personally believe that it's a communication between two souls right it's it's i look at it as intimate now you have the different you know whatever but like um between a man and a woman who are married and this is our first encounter like and you are mean so do you think that was still a way of control uh absolutely i think he was pushing the buttons there was a lot of boundaries being tested Mm -hmm. um i remember a lot of um i remember one day he grabbed me in the while we were being intimate or attempting to and he grabbed me and i remember him flinging me across um the bed and being because i was crying i I was hurting Mm -hmm. and he was his words to me were shut up uh like just i don't even remember i've blocked so much of this out but like it was just it was very aggressive and something along the lines of you know don't say anything else and I'm in charge or whatever and it was not like him trying to be like dominatrix it was very much like you were controlling me in this moment and I I remember he grabbed me and I ran in the bathroom and I slammed the door and and I when I opened the door he came in I said I will leave I said I didn't sign up for this Mm -hmm. and that was the first moment he started to back up but the moment of truth um, for me came when we were being intimate and there was a point where I asked him to stop because it was hurting me. And I remember his he looked at me and he told me, he was like, shut up and just let me fuck. Mm. And um, 
and I, I was frozen, and then he just took it. And I was, like, I just sat there. And I never said anything to anybody. Um, I, I cried after. I remember saying to him, you're so you're so mean. Mm-hmm. Like you are so mean. I don't understand why you are so mean. And I didn't think anything else about that moment for the next three years. Mm. Um, when you how, what was his response when you were you know letting him know you are so mean. You are so mean. Um, I think he 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 embraced me, um, which is kind of sick and twisted. Um, but <laughs> he embraced me, but that didn't change his behavior. Um, because for me, sex w- w- continued to be difficult and he continued to be forceful. And anytime you have to look and you have to tell someone to look at you and kiss you and open your eye, like anytime you have to give direction and it's forceful, it's yeah. obvious that I am not in this consensually, nor am I enjoying this. So it was almost that situation where, you know, the people have conversations of husbands yeah. Raping their wives. Yeah. So if we if we fast forward to just very quickly, if yeah, we fast right. forward okay. to when I when I finally get the courage to walk away, there's a lot of other stuff that happens. Okay. Um, when I when I finally get there and I actually reach out for help and I'm explaining my story to a domestic violence shelter here in town, the response was, "Oh, well, that's your husband." And if you were actually abused, you would have to wait. Like, we don't really have room for you right now. Or, like, we can't really help you at the That's moment. Crazy. You know, if they do determine that there was abuse. So, yeah. So, this idea and this concept of spousal um, rape uh, is... is it goes unreported. Yeah, that's There are crazy. so many stats, and I can't pull them right now, but there are so many facts and stats about um, not just the rape, the the uh, partner abuse is yeah. so high. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I think they say that it's, it's such a volatile um, statistic. They say 75% of women who actually get up the courage to leave an abusive partner have a higher likelihood of actually dying um, than someone who stays. Mm. Um, and so um, it's just, it's, it's not accepted. So what do you do when you are a victim and the thing that you that has victimized you is socially accepted? Yeah. You know what's crazy? Because I think the last time even that this was being mentioned, it was during a presidential campaign race mm-hmm. when they were talking about Donald Trump and his yeah. wife and all that. It's cra- yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So, um, so that kind of seemed like it kind of started the physical. Yeah, it, um, you know, that was, uh, that was a huge moment for me. And I, I blocked a lot of things out, to be honest. Now, I, I'm going to go out on a very clear platform and say, he never, he never blacked my eye. Okay. He never, he never threw a punch. But the things that he would do and say um, were very heavily focused on, or um, in um, emotional abuse and um, mental abuse. Right, right. And a lot of times it's sad because women who, and men who suffer from emotional abuse um, and physical abuse don't have an outlet because they don't have a bruise that is visible to the naked yeah, eye. Yeah. Um, but anytime a person goes around and tells you that you are weak yes. and that you are no one likes you and that you have no self-worth which is a direct quote in my situation mm. um that is abuse yeah you know it's kind of it's, it's interesting you say that because me and a guy at work we were talking about soft tissue injuries mm-hmm. so if someone tells you that their head is hurting you know the brain being assault you you can't but just you, all you have to say is like all right you know your head's hurting or man, my back is killing me. There's nothing there to mm-hmm. measure. No. So, like you said, if it, and it goes back into what you're saying. If it's the mental abuse, and they're not seeing the bruises, they're not seeing the black eyes, they're not seeing the broken bones. Yeah. It's like you know they see you still coming dressed nice and still being pretty. They're like, yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's interesting you say that. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. And so, and, and to your point, you know, my situation was um, you couldn't look at me and know that there was something that was going on. I'm very grateful because I feel like God kept me in a lot of um, the situations that I found myself in. Okay. Um, one of the ways that um, we struggled were financially. I don't believe that my marriage was equally yoked. And I, I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, yeah, we were both believers, but we believed something totally different. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> we equally went to church, but we believe something different. Right. You ain't listening. Um, and so, but I think, I think in all seriousness, finances um, played a huge part in um, my issue with our marriage. Um, okay. I worked the whole of um, my marriage. I was married for three years. Um, during the time that I was married, my spouse had a total of 35 jobs. Wait, uh, how, wait hold mm-hmm. on. And, and that's the logistics of that is, is we go down that rabbit hole. But the fact of the matter is I was carrying a load. And, and how long? I mean, what's the, what three, was it? Three years. Three. And I, I had the check stubs for all of them. Um, and, and taxes was crazy. You had to wait for all kind of W-2s. But see, this, this is the thing. So when I got married, I, I believe in the sanctity of marriage. I don't come from a home um, where divorce is prevalent. My parents are still married. They've been married for umpteen thousand years. Right, right, right. Um, but I began to wear hats that didn't belong to me. Mm. Um, I carried the financial burden for our home. Um, I'm grateful for the job that I had because had I not had it at the time, we would not have had food to eat. So I worked college admissions um, and we got a per diem for travel. I think it was like 20 bucks a day um, if we were traveling and my territory was big. I was always on the road. And rather than taking the time to feed, you know, myself the other day, I would get food that I could take home because there was no food at home um every time you turn around there was an eviction notice on the door Mm. um it had gotten so bad um, financially Mm. that i think um i i started paying i had a a vehicle i had a car um my car payment had gotten up to a thousand dollars a month there's no car worth. Yeah, man, and it you was, you was used. <laughs> I was driving a Pontiac. There's no reason. It should have been $1,000 a month. Yeah, that's crazy. But because we, I was missing payments and I couldn't afford the insurance, the car dealership or the uh, financial institution would tack on uh, insurance. And so I'd have to pay that uh, on top. So my yeah. car payment was so big. And when I went to my ex-husband at the time, his response was, just let him have it. Just let them have the car. Mm. So there was a lot of things that I began to carry on my own. And so I fast forward to, I had a son. I love my kid. He's the best. Um, I tell my story with the full knowledge that one day he will hear the details. So this is his father. This is his dad. Okay. Okay. Um, And I I will make a side note. Um, It's very easy as women to become catty uh, when we've been wounded. Um, But I understand and recognize the importance of my son's relationship with his father. I don't do anything to uh, jeopardize that. But I am on standby, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 for Um, sure. Because... I do see patterns and behaviors already that I'm I'm not um, not happy with in terms of their interaction. However, okay. I won't intervene. I'm not going to I'm not going to taint his dad in front of him. That's his dad, right, you right. know. Um, so um, I, I had a son, and I I had my uh, my job. I worked up until two days before my son was born, mm. and at the time, my ex husband had no job. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So here, here, so I guess, you know, one of my, my, my questions, so why, I guess for listeners and people who, who don't mm-hmm. understand domestic domestic abuse, why did you stay in it so long? I didn't know half of the things that were happening were considered abusive. And it's easy to look at my story and be like, so he said some mean things to you. Listen. No, that's up that, you know. The impact and the implication of what I walked through took a toll on my life, and I didn't know that I needed to walk away. Um, okay. I, I didn't believe in divorce, and so I was trying to fix things. The biggest thing for me was um, the sexual assault and the fact that he isolated me. Um, I was not allowed, like, it was very much frowned upon to talk to my family, but I'm very close to my mom and dad. I tell them everything. Um, And so I would share with him, I told my mother something, and he would become irate. Mm. It would be the smallest thing, like, I ate a sandwich today. Because (laughs) because he basically didn't want them to find out the true him. Well, and and that's that's a part of the uh, uh, abusive cycle, is the isolation, right? It happens whether you intend it to or not. My parents had no idea the level of finance. We lived lived down there across the street, and they had no idea that Mm. we were going through the things that we were going through that um, they just just didn't know. Mm. Yeah, that's, man. I, I, you know, I guess... 
I, I, I guess I just wonder, like, what a lot of people... I never understood or thinking that someone would just be, you know, you would, you would say you didn't know that's what was happening, mm. what took us so long, you know what I mean? Because just, and I guess it's always like anything else, it's easier said than done. So like, you can tell me, you know, uh, if I was going through whatever it was, I can be like, right. it's always easy to, you know, to give your opinion, especially when you weren't a part of it, you know? So yeah. I I guess that was one of the things that we discussed in that episode with King K, like you know, or, or my mom, and I and I think and what, and what I wanted to ask you because I do remember and King K can re, he can relate. I remember when my the guy one of the one of the gentlemen that was abusing my mother. Mm-hmm. I remember that day when I was a child. I remember the day where it seemed like there was a turning point. Mm-hmm. What was your turning point? Because I remember, so yeah. before you go, so my mom, it was a, he was trying to fight her. I was in the back seat, and I told this on the last episode. And I remember she she sat back in the car in the seat and she started kicking him. I never seen her fight back. Yeah. I'm like in the back seat, like yeah, yeah, fight back, you know. And I just remember that day, and he start I start seeing less and less and less of him. Yeah. And it was almost kind of like ah, yeah, yeah. finally, you know yeah. what I mean? So. Walk me through that time mm-hmm. where you felt like, okay, you know, I think you kind of shared one, you said in the bathroom, but it seemed like you stayed after that. Yeah, I, I, that was uh, the beginning. Um, I When I got pregnant, and, and I got pregnant, um, I wanted a baby. I was lonely in my marriage. I was, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I got pregnant, and, and that's when things started to, like, escalate. Um, I remember one day I was, we were driving in the car, and it was winter, and I think he hit every, he went flying, like, 90 miles an hour, and he hit every speed bump and every curb that he could. And if you don't know anything about being pregnant, let me just go ahead and tell you, you feel everything Mm. um and I was in pain and I was crying like he was angry about something and then shortly after that um there were some other things that transpired and it wasn't until my son was born and I remember looking at his big brown eyes and something in me snapped Mm. um and I started to I started to fight back in Mm. in a manner um I just my fight back because we we argued a lot um I I just started I started changing behavior I started I left a lot um not that I left him but I just I would go anywhere I could to hide and I realized like my sister went to DePaul as well and I would drive 45 minutes um to Greencastle on Friday after I got off work Mm -hmm. so that I could sleep Mm. Um, and she would watch my son because he refused to help me um, with the baby. And it wasn't until um, I was I was looking because again the jobs no no money um, eviction notice on the door they're repoing my car uh, all of this stuff and he's sitting at home and ref- he told me he said too bad poor you you have to work um, and that was that was our conversation about money. So that was um, a problem. It wasn't until I was outside at four o'clock in the morning looking for pennies, nickels, and dimes to um, feed my son mm. for the day. A can of milk cost eight dollars, and it probably makes two bottles, right, maybe right. two and a half. And I'm outside, and he was asleep. <laughs> and that for me was a turning point. Mm. I remember we had, um, he had gotten a speeding ticket. And yeah, he sounded like he speed a lot. A lot going on, right? <laughs> yeah, um, speed he had gotten a speeding ticket. He did a job racing. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And I, maybe he missed his calling, I don't know. Um, but I, I, he told me that I had to take him to traffic court. I had no idea that I had to go take him to traffic court. We mm. fought the whole way there. We got lost. We fought the whole way back. And something in me just, when I tell you, I had this switch flip and I just felt peace mm. I looked down and we were fighting like cats and dogs and I smiled and I turned the radio up and I will never forget this it was December 28th I was driving I drove him home I looked at him I said do you have your keys and he mm. said yes I said there's food in the refrigerator I said could you switch the load for me and he looked at me and was like okay I was like I have errands to run I'll be back and that was it never and when it. he went in the house that was it that was it yeah december 28th is national good riddance day and i didn't find that out until like the next year it was funny to me (laughs) so um i asked you a question earlier about Mm. his parents yeah so did you 
like did you ever look into why he was the way he was um he was very candid with me in the beginning um and there was a lot of shame there in the beginning uh-huh. um his his father was abusive okay that's what i was getting to yeah so that usually a lot of times it's learned it's passed on it's yeah. passed, you know so yeah man that's crazy. And, and I'm going to say this. Um, today's society, when it comes to things like abuse, the black community is just really bad about it. Whether it's sexual abuse, mental, physical, we, we tend to either fight back or call it something else. And I will never forget him telling me about a time where he was maybe 15 years old. And uh-huh. the first time he ever had sex was with his Sunday school teacher. Mm. And she was 26. And I looked at him and I said, you know, that's rape, right? Right. And his response was, no, it's not. Like, it was, the, oh, my God, never would you bring that up. But so there was already a m- misconception of, of reality. And I think you part of the thing about abuse is an abuser can look at a situation and manipulate it to a manner that fits their own personal truth. Mm. Um, and, and I think that he didn't deal in reality at all. I think his he created his reality to fit his existence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So what do you, I'm, I'm going to go back to this job thing. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think that was? Um, you know what I mean? Because like, I mean, other than, you know, he's seeing his household struggle, mm-hmm. which is, I don't understand as a man, but it, that's, that seems, it, it seems a little bit more than, all right, I'm losing a job. 30, would you say 36 jobs? 35. 35 jobs in three years. What was that about? What do you think that was? Um, I, I think it was very much about, uh, um, a control. Um, I, he was a musician and he wanted to make it as a musician. Well, unfortunately we live in Indianapolis. Right. Like this is not Motown. So right, right. there's a certain degree of that <laughs> that you're going to have to put a little more work in and position yourself if right. you want to make that. Exactly. Um, but to be honest, I think it had a lot to do with, um, control and then he had anger issues. And so mm-hmm. he would, on every job, it would be like a month and a half two months and then next thing you know somebody would have a problem with him mm. and he would come home every day telling me about a conflict um to give you an idea of the type of financial strain that that put on me um i ended up having to take out a payday loan payday loans are another plague in the black community That's a uh, <laughs> it's the devil stay away <laughs> i'm sorry if you work there it's really yeah, funny man. um but it's not awesome Those and are I, t- modern day loan sharks they, Absolutely, modern day sure. slavery chains um <laughs> i had a payday loan for probably four years mm. because i couldn't afford to pay it back so i had to constantly take it out yeah. if you do the math on that and You're i had a decent probably job like, 80, 80 interest for 80 percent interest for <laughs> my payment my repayment in terms of my interest rate was 156 dollars that i gave every time i took the loan out Dang. 156 dollars over the course of four years that's great think about that yeah that's high um going back so you december 28th mm-hmm. when you informed your when when did you tell your parents hey this is what's been happening um, that night I went to my parents' house. They didn't even know I was in the house. I was sitting on the couch and my mother said, Ryan, are you going home? It's 11 o'clock. I was like, no, I, I can't go back. And it all just kind of came tumbling out at that point. And a lot of, so my dad took me back to get my things. And that's, um, when I let him know, I didn't just not go back. Like right, he was right. still waiting for me to come back. Um, I went to get stuff and I remember us having it out and I told him I needed space. And I, my intention was not to leave him because at this point, I don't even know about the infidelity, which we haven't touched on. Okay. Um, I, I, my intention was I am exhausted I have a newborn and you won't help me. And I work a full-time job and I'm playing all these roles, right? Mm -hmm. So I needed to rest. And I told him, I said, I just can't think and we fight so much that I need a break. And probably, um, I don't even think the word divorce came out of my mouth. And, And it was at the moment that I began to leave that he went Postal mm. uh, got in the car, didn't even hear him come out the door, and he's banging on my father's driver's side window. And at that point in time, my dad was like, "Hey, I didn't come in your house. Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. She just asked me to come because um, my parents loved him, right? Gotcha, gotcha. And so we went home. We probably lived 20 minutes away. By the time I got in the house and unzipped my coat, boom, 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 he's at the front door. 
Mm. So he had followed us and he burst in the house and my father was like, okay. And he said, where's my son? And um, my dad said, okay, you need to calm down. And at that point he pushed past my father, knocked him into the closet Mm. and went and took the baby out of the back room and was getting ready to exit the house. Um, And so my dad and him got into it and long story short, he left the, he left the baby behind. And um, the encounter was so aggressive that like, I was afraid. I was very much afraid because at this point we had gotten into it so heavy on a consistent basis. And I mentioned that that statement. I remember when I finally asked for help for financial assistance, I asked my mom and dad to help me with my car. Um, And that was frowned upon because remember I said you can't communicate with people outside the house yeah. about your issues right, right, right. and so when oh that hurt and then yeah um, that was like my uh, parents yeah my parents called us in my dad said nah here's a thousand dollars but we need to talk yeah. <laughs> and so that's when they started figuring it out and boy when i got home the conversation that we had because at that point i had been found out and i had reached out for help um and that's when he told me i was weak and i was stupid now you're embarrassing him and yeah all these different things um and so we left and and i ended up getting a restraining order because at that point like the the volatileness of our conversation and I don't think I mentioned this but like I started finding knives um like very like 12 inch blade <laughs> I don't know why we lived on the second floor wasn't nobody coming in right. um but I started finding weapons um under the pillow under the mattress and so I think he just kind of started to unravel a little bit there at the mm-hmm. end I don't know if it was the finance thing or what um but have you? I don't know if you've ever seen those commercials where you have two people walking down the side of the street and the sun is shining on one and it's yeah. raining. And that's how our lives were. Gotcha. Um, and so I. Do you um, think that? Do you think that he know he recognized that and that? Yeah. Ate I, him up. You know? I, I mean, I think it could have. Um, but I, I think, I think there's something that happens to a man when he can't push past a certain point. Um, mm. when you're hitting a brick wall. Um, usually that means you need to surrender. Um, and yeah. that's not just of a man. That's in general. General, right um but I, I think um to to put things into perspective and make a long story short uh when we left my parents house that evening mm. um he got picked up by a state trooper Dang. and they impounded his car so like things started to happen and my father again with the word of wisdom prior to this had told him he said i had a dream about you and i don't want to share it with you he said i had a dream that you we're living in an abandoned garage. I had a dream that your car was gone, that you had no car, you had no money, and you had no family. And my dad said, and I woke up, and I just want to know, do you need anything? Mm. And he looked my father in the eye, and he said, I don't need anything from you. Mm. And then that's when all hell broke loose in his life. Um, things started to spiral. That's when he lost his car, he lost his job, and then two months later, I moved out. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, man, this is, uh, this is, well, okay, I guess when I, when you, you were talking, I, I wondered, did he ever, did you ever encourage, I, I, I know maybe you probably didn't, but did you, I'm sure this would have struck a fight, but did you ever encourage um, him getting help? Um, t- I tried to help. Um, I remember one day I didn't, I, you have to strike, you have to say things in a very delicate manner. Uh, when someone is volatile, you can't just put it out there. Um, people started to notice that things were not okay. Mm. I worked for a college or university and my boss knew things were not okay. And so he offered to pay for his college education. Um, and offered, I mean, like he could have gotten his bachelor's degree in music for free and he said no and so like little things you know i'm trying to he just seemed like he was very very insecure and he had this like like this this control thing that sounds i mean obviously that's what it's i mean people offering you and you're like nah i don't need your help and yes you do (laughs) yeah yeah i I mean i think that has something to do with it i i also think that um just you're right and and the fact that it's the control I tried to be a helper I had I'll never forget a day I was at church and we had this minister who didn't know me from Adam and Mm. he walked up to me and he said you've taken bullets that were never meant for you step Mm. back and it made me gasp because I was taking and picking up the slack Mm. um and I'm I'm guilty of that and if I'm guilty of anything, I'm guilty of loving to the point where I think I um, I didn't let him stand on his own two feet because I was not about to live in my car 
So I'm going to do what I need to do to make sure that things are taken care of, you know. Um, You feel like you could have gave him more responsibility or try. But I mean, it sounded like you would have been. We tried counseling. We tried everything. And it did not. It didn't go very well. (laughs) (laughs) So after, you know, after all of this, did did you seek help after to recover and be able to even just have this conversation today? Yes, I did. Um, So I I, you asked me a question a little bit ago about. kind of why I stayed and um, the after effects. I didn't realize half of the stuff that had gone on until I left. Mm. My mother asked me, and she said, Ryan, he never sexually assaulted or harmed you, did he? And I was like, oh, no, never. And then, uh, you know, I lay down, and the next thing I know, it came, that moment that I shared with you guys came back to me like, I mean, like water on my head. I had never, I didn't even, I didn't think, think about it, it like past that. that. Okay. And I, I began to weep and I began to sob. And so it, it was a long road for me um, to come back um, because you're dealing with self-esteem and you're, you're dealing with an identity, a failure at this point. I have failed in my mind. Um, I did not um, make my marriage work, which is part of the reason I stayed because I wanted it to work. Gotcha. Um, I, I wanted to figure this out. I wanted to be a big girl. Um, and so I'm dealing with failure. You're also dealing with fear because when I left, I ended up being, um, I spent 11 out of 12 months in three courts, physical, um, I had civil court, uh, criminal court and divorce court. Um, I, I mentioned that I had gotten a protective order, um, and, and this was eye-opening for me. I got in a protective order. The judge asked me if I was afraid. And I said, yeah. I, and I, I, Because he had flipped out something just like I'd never seen before. And um, That's the one thing I was going to ask. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to ask, did you ever fear your life? Like, did you ever fear that, you know? He- I didn't until the end. Okay. We had, we had argued so much that I just felt whittled down. But when he flipped out, um, I, I did. I was afraid. Um, I was very much afraid because I, it was like the rage had always been there, but he had never been bold enough to, um, right. like fully act it out. And this is the thing about abusers. Um, anytime a person is a, an abuser, it's, it's about control and you remove, um, the focus of their control and they become erratic. Mm. Um, they become unpredictable. Um, they are like a fire, like a forest fire. Gotcha. Um, they can spin out and spark out of control. You take away the thing that, that brings them stability and they spaz Mm. and so what happened was i had this protective order and he violated every type of way you could possibly imagine um we were sharing with our neighbor keep me in prayer my mom was saying this keep ryan in prayer they are going through a rough patch um you know we had to get a protective order she was like i just saw him and my mom was like what you mean (laughs) she was like i just saw him this morning, he was outside by the cars. So, like, he violated the protective order. He contacted me on Facebook. Um, I'm going to say this to your listeners. If you find yourself in a, dem- a situation where you have a protective order, all contact, any contact is a violation. And it was not until um, we had a moment where I'm in the process of trying to figure out what I'm going to do right. with my life. And, and we're in, I remember my sister had my car. She was in a McDonald's parking lot. I had a very distinctive car because I'm a little bougie. So it was... Very, you know, nice, nice vehicle. Very distinctive. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the parking lot, and I, he saw my car. So he um, pulls up to the drive-through at McDonald's, blocks the car in. There's a car in front, behind, and then he pulls up to the side with the no contact order. Mm. Um, and he rolls the window down, and it, it's not me okay, in the car. Okay. Um, and so my sister comes home and she's irate. My sister is a doctor, but she got a little hood in her. Like okay. she'll cut you. <laughs> so she was pissed. Um, and we had to call the police. And when I called the police, it was, um, it was a, a female officer who responded. And when I tell you she ripped me a new one, I mean, she ate me alive. She Why said, she eat you alive? She, cause I waited a day uh, to call. Okay, okay, she okay. said, let me tell you something. And that's when she dropped that stat on me about, um, the 75% of women. And Not I was surviving. like, yeah, yeah. okay. She was like, you have a child. You should have called immediately. Yeah, yeah. Any contact is a violation. And so, um, you know, she just really put some things into perspective because I'm still trying to rationalize yeah, behavior. Yeah. And I, again, divorce was not on my, I'm freaking out right now. It was okay. not foreseeable. Yeah. Um, and so, um, it wasn't until that moment. So when I filed, 
he ended up getting a warrant for his arrest, um, which is how we landed in um, criminal court because he violated the protective order. And even with an ankle bracelet on, and still. haven't gone to jail, still, <laughs> still violated <laughs> the protective order. It's crazy. I know. So it, to answer your question in a long roundabout way, I ended up, it was a very long road for me. A lot of counseling. Um, a lot of counseling. A lot of um, moments where I'm, I cried out to God. I think I'm grateful because there were moments during this process where I was very close to having a nervous breakdown because I'm a perfectionist and I Mm. do everything that I can with a sense of excellence. And I felt betrayed by God because Mm. I got married as a virgin and you have me like this. I felt foolish and and it's been a long way. I still have bad days, but (laughs) I'm grateful because I'm not where I was. That's what's up. You know. That's what's up. So. Yeah, man. I, I'm I'm glad you you came and Thank shared you. this. This is, Thank this you. Is, this is dope, man. Um, any anything that you would like to share with anyone who may be going through something right, right now that's that don't know how to handle it, that don't know how to get out, who don't know how to walk away, or to, you know, or don't understand yeah. how to do it. Yeah, um, I think that the biggest thing you need to do is, number one, make a decision for you. Um, it's not for other people. Don't stay for children. Don't. St- if you were in an abusive situation, especially to those of us who grew up in church and the church says what it does about divorce, um, you know, here's the thing. If you are in harm's way, you need to make an exit. I'm not telling you to go file for divorce, but I am telling you to go find higher ground. Um, And higher ground looks a lot of different ways. There are shelters, there are churches, there are ministries. Um, I would say that um, if you don't have money, a lot of people don't leave because they don't have their resources. Um, Legal Aid Society is a phenomenal resource in Indianapolis. You take a $12 money order in there and you can sit down with an attorney and lay out your case. I don't care whether it's child support. I don't care what it is. Um, You can lay it out in front of them and they will give you legal advice. If they feel that they can assist you further, they will take on your case for you. Um, That's something that I wish I had known. The other thing I will say is this. Our identities are not wrapped up in other people's estimations of who we are. Mm. Who I am does not change. I'm in law school right now. I'm grateful for that. But I was always supposed to be where I am. Right. And that doesn't have anything to do with the words that were spoken. I will say this, having come through all that, I'm still, I'm out of this post, I'm post five years out of this, I guess. Okay. Um, I will say this, when I fail, I circle back to abusive behavior. And what I mean by that is I'm very self-deprecating. And that's something that I work on. When mm. I make a mistake or I'm embarrassed or I'm shameful about something, right. I didn't even realize I did this until this week. And I was preparing like mentally to come talk to you. Um, but one of the things that I find myself saying or doing is I'm so you are so stupid. You were ridiculous. You were stupid. Uh, like, and I find, and I'm saying this to myself and it was like, as I was mentally preparing, I did something stupid in my own personal opinion. And I'm saying this mantra and I recognize mm, where those words came from. Those are not my words. Gotcha. And so I fight that on a daily basis. You know, that's interesting. You say that because we have to be care- careful what we say to kids. Uh, yeah. Because that sticks with them, just mm-hmm. like what you said, that, you know, regardless if we, whatever it is, you yeah. have to be careful what you say to them. Absolutely. I, that's, that's, you know, I've always known that, but I never thought of it like you're coming back telling yourself that. And it's like, wait, that's not me talking. That's. Yeah. It was very eye-opening, and I'm like, here I am, like, I'm good. I'm five years out of this. Like, <laughs> no, I'm still dealing still with yourself. it. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. It's almost like a drug. You have like to break that, it. that drug you mm-hmm. were on. And it fuels me in those moments. Like, mm. And I, I have to remind myself that, you know, every time I tell my story, I shatter those moments. Like those That's moments are shattered That's for me, um, but I still have work to do, no and my self worth is an area that I'm focusing on. You know, uh-huh. every day is a process. So. Cool. Yeah, man. Well, I thank you for using our platform to. Well, thank you for having me. You know, man. Hopefully, this a lot of people will listen and you know hear this, and hopefully, a lot of people can relate and overcome whatever it is that they're going through. Yeah. And, well, how's the relationship now? 
Because you said he is. Oh. Ha- I mean, how's it? Do you have to meet him somewhere and drop him off? Man, or your son? Yeah, so or? it's been a long road for yeah, that, I, too. Yeah, let me, let me ask that. Yeah, because I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> because I, he's still in the picture. He, he has to he, be. Cause he, he's, and he's son. remarried. God bless y'all. Where over there? Stay on over there. <laughs> Good um, luck, Hey, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully God changed him. And hopefully the things he went through. I'm just saying just. Yeah, we gonna, yeah, we gonna, yeah, yeah. we gonna pray. We pray for that every day. Um, here's the thing: I told you I was afraid, and so yeah. for a very long time we had supervised. Um, we had third party drop offs, okay. right? So yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. have that, and then the restraining order ended, and um, we got a maximum amount of restraining orders. It was two years, right? Mm. And so when that period ended, I had to face him, and I was afraid. I was terrified, and um, he kept nitpicking with me, nitpicking, and the, the same kinds of things that happened in, in the marriage, and he always wanted to fight. And let me tell you something, I just snapped one day. It mm. was like, I don't know where the fear went, but I, I snapped. Okay. And he ain't messed with me since, so we good. Yeah, <laughs> like, we sign. have a mutual understanding. A what time you picking up, what time you dropping off. That's it. That's good. That's good. Well, like I said, hopefully he's a changed man. Uh, Hope hopefully. so. Yeah, because... <laughs> Yeah, just just even for the sake of your son, you know, all jokes aside, hopefully he's oh, changed man in that sense. And his hopefully, wife, you know, I hope that yeah, I, for sure. I can say that I'm for a sure. big enough person that I hope that you make changes Absolutely. because Absolutely. you don't want to do this again. Yeah, yeah. So, man, thank you so much. No problem. Yeah, man, I'm sure I'm going to have... I know this is a good one. I, I feel good about episodes and I most definitely think this is going to be uh, a well-reviewed one and you know so good well thanks for having me yeah man um if we get a lot of questions i might be like ryan you gotta come back okay that's fine (laughs) yeah so anyway um everyone thank you guys for listening to this uh ryan again uh thank you thank you thank you see miss you i wish you could have been here for this one um you know please check us out on all the social medias uh, soundcloud follow us on itunes follow us on soundcloud leave a review uh, all that good stuff and I really appreciate you guys tuning in alright stakes is high peace